0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I have two children who are under five, and it's Monday, which means it's time for Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. And we get Chris on the show to help you with your individual questions, so her advice is always tailored to the family that she's speaking to. You might find similarities in what she's saying with your experience, but we always encourage you to call in if you're listening on the radio, the number's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, or if you're watching us live on Facebook to... Put your comments below and ask Chris. It's really great to um, for Chris to be able to talk to you, though, so she can adjust her advice to suit you. Having said that, we, of course, have to say Chris isn't a doctor. So if you have any medical concerns, make sure you speak to your GP about them and, of course, um, refer to the SIDS guidelines if you um, when it comes to safe sleeping practices. Chris has over 30 years' experience as a Mothercraft nurse, visiting families all across Sydney and sometimes regional New South Wales. Um, and what she does is. Um, everything from babies to toddlers and the mixture in between and she's here to answer your questions. Hi Chris, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thanks.
0: So let's dive into the questions we have already. Please feel free to give us a call if you have a question for Chris. Perhaps you have been struggling with something over the weekend and you'd like some tips on how to tweak it. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or pop your questions below if you're watching us live on Facebook. Jessica has a 10-month-old. And she says, I'm looking for some advice for my 10-month-old um, who has just started sitting up and kneeling on the side of the cot for naps. Do I go in and lie him back down or leave him to work it out?
1: They're very funny at this age where they do this. Um, they often sit, and if you just keep watching them slowly, they just roll over. So generally speaking, they sort it out themselves. But if I – the kneeling one – I'd probably give them about 15 minutes and then I'd just go in and gently roll them over. Now, when you roll them over, you probably have to keep your hands on them and give them a little pat because they'll notice the movement in their sleep pattern. The sitters usually just fall over themselves, but (laughs) if they haven't, just go in just gently. I'd just try and go on their side because I think that would feel better for them. A little bit of a pat and walk back out again. So lots of babies do that.
0: Very funny. Jessica. And Lauren says, Hi, how do we get our 22-month-old son to stop hitting his newborn brother? Oh, dear. We have a six-week-old and our older son is really annoyed by that. If I'm feeding, he gets jealous and lashes out. Generally, though, he's a very loving, gentle boy.
1: He is a very gentle and loving boy. He just likes your attention and your attention has been given to a little baby. So I think... that we have to preempt it. So we know that he's going to lash out if you feed. You're going to feed every couple of hours. So I'd sort of set him up. So the first thing I would do is if the feed is due, I'd either set him up with a game that he could have on his own. I'd bring out things that he can only have when you're feeding. Or it might even be, you know, how old is he? 22 months. So it might even be... um, little bit of television like spot but it's only when you breastfeed. So they're the distractive things you can do. The other thing is that you know he's going to lash out so I'd keep that little baby fairly close to you and if he looks like he's coming too close I'd be on the watch. So if that hand started to go up I'd be almost just putting my hand in the middle so it sort of hit you instead of the baby. And then I think you'll find in time it will just settle itself down as the baby gets older and becomes more part of the family, but very, very common at six weeks. Mm. So prevention and and distraction will probably do um, really well in this window. Yeah,
0: and Lauren, if I can offer any words of comfort, my daughter, although she didn't hit my little boy, Breastfeeding was such a challenge because yeah. she would climb all over me, and yeah,
1: that's the most common. Yeah, yeah she climbed climb on, and you I'm like, "This is this is hard enough without
0: you being on top of me." Little boys like
1: to get close, like they climb on shoulders <laughs> and through here, and
0: and it did stop, of course. So did breastfeeding, and then yeah. you know, but um, I used uh, I asked Chris for help at that point too, and um, that whole distraction thing. You told me the to box. get a box, mm. and so we had a box full of stuff that I could pull out
1: every and when we did the breastfeed. Luckily
0: for me, Frozen was also. So mm. very popular at that
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I did. I had a client and they're... they're two-year-old just to bite the baby's toe.
0: Oh, poor little <laughs> so baby. So I said you have
1: to sit in the corner so that you can't get from behind. <laughs> so prevention and distraction are two very good um, ways of helping with this one. <gasps>
0: good luck, Lauren. Mm. Uh, you're listening to Kindling Helpline on Kindling Conversation with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has had over 30 years of experience and she's here to answer your questions. She can answer questions about babies, toddlers, children, mixing them all up together, could be about settling or feeding. You can call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or if you're watching us on Facebook Live, pop your question below the video you're watching now. Natalie has an interesting one. She Mm -hmm. says, I need advice for my six-year-old who keeps chewing on his shirt, collars or sleeves. He doesn't seem to have anxiety and I think it's now a habit, but trying to get him to stop it is really hard.
1: It is very hard and it's a bit like sucking your thumb. So... Mainly, this does come from a form of anxiety. So maybe he had some anxiety, and it's now turned into behaviour. But um, the the answer is actually the same for this answer as it was for the ten month old. I would use a lot of distraction. It's the same thing we do when we have a thumb sucker, and we don't want them to thumb suck in, you know, outdoors or while they're in the garden. You need to spend a few days. And every time he goes to suck and chew on something, we very gently take his hand and bring his hand down. But you can only do that while you're around him. And obviously, as a six-year-old, he's probably at school. So the first thing I do is make sure that there isn't any underlying anxiety. So it may not be anxiety in terms of he has anxiety, but he might be finding it difficult playing with other kids at school and it comes out in this nervous sort of chewing so I'd have a good talk to his um, teacher. I would get them to observe him in play because it might be happening in, in the friendship side, not in other areas. And then I would just do gentle distraction. So every time he does it, I'd just go up and bring his hand down. Um, and usually that would work with this. It's the same as the old thumb in the mouth. And I can't remember, but you've told me before, mm. why is it that we don't say, don't chew yeah, don't don't or you. take your thumb out? Because um, first, we've got to make sure that it isn't something underlying. So I'm sure there will be times where you say, don't do that. But if that's constant, it just it's it's just like talking and there's nothing going in. So sometimes we have to do the gentle reminders because there's a fair chance, even on his own, he's still doing it. Like in his bed, he's still doing it. So gentle distraction, gentle distraction, and finding out the root cause will probably solve the problem. You could try something else in his hand, you know, keep his hands busy. Um, because he is six. He could do lots of puzzles and keep his hands busy. I suspect it has something to do with something else going on, though.
0: Mm. All right, Natalie, good luck with that and yeah. feel free to get back in touch if you have any more questions. Uh, Cooper, um, Cooper... Emailed in uh, last week, I think when yeah. uh, when you were away. So yeah. we had some advice for Cooper um, with Natalie Herman, who was with us then. She has a seven month old who um, she was having trouble getting him. Was having three sleeps, three naps yeah. in a day, yeah. but the third nap was always after five, and so it was she oh. was taking forever to get him to sleep at night. Yeah. So Natalie advised that maybe they drop the third sleep and settle him earlier. Yeah, but now what she's finding is that. By the time she's settling him for sleep overnight, he's overtired and he's waking multiple times through the night. Yeah. So her Cooper's question is, is there anything I can do to make this transition from three day naps to two more effective or do I just need to ride it out or would you have okay. a different approach entirely? No,
1: if he's seven months old, I would have him on two day naps. It's probably the spacing. And more, it's probably about the length of time that he's sleeping within those two sleeps. So if he's only having two one-hour sleeps in the day, he will be very overtired. So the earliest um, that I'd put him to bed is six thirty, depending on where those sleeps fall, which is probably what Natalie had also said, and. It's about when and how long. So the first sleep of the day is usually about two and a half hours after he's woken up. So if he's woken at six, because he's waking multiple times. So if he's awake at six in the morning, I try and get him out to 8.30. And if he's not sleeping for a good hour to an hour and a half, that's where the problem lies. Because then he can't make it to the next one. So let's say he woke at six, we put him down at 8.30 and he slept till 9.30. Then usually the next window is three hours. So the first window is two and a half. The second window is three. So then I'd put him down at 12.30. This is probably what's happening. Then he might be awake by two. And then he's got to go all the way through. So um, it's about lengthening the sleep pattern. I would say, because we haven't got any um, sleep timeframes on here, I would say his first sleep needs to be closer to an hour and a half and his second sleep needs to be closer to two hours. So some resettling may need to be done to lengthen the sleeps, which will lengthen the day, and then you'll have him in the right spot. But he can go to bed at 630 Good luck with that,
0: Cooper. And um, I'll take the time now to mention that if you would like to speak directly with Chris, you can give us a call. It's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. And then Chris can ask those questions that will help you tweak what you're doing further. Yeah. Um, You can also pop your question below. And, of course, with Facebook, you can write your comment while we're talking if you have another question. We have one from Cassie who says, I have a 15-month-old girl who still breastfeeds, but I'm going away for a work weekend soon. She won't take a bottle with anything but water. She still feeds overnight, and if she's feeling upset throughout the day, what would you suggest to help get her ready for when I'm away and it's just daddy and her? I've never been away from her for so
1: long. That's a bit hard, isn't it? I know that it's difficult but the really good thing about a 15 month old is they don't need lots of feeds. So what I would start doing, depends on how long you've got, I'd start um, giving her little bits of milk in an open cup because they usually will drink more even though you have to help them. Um, Whereas if you put cow's milk in a sippy cup for instance, they don't drink as much. So let's make a game out of drinking the milk. So after breakfast, lunch and dinner, a little bit of milk in an open cup, helping her, letting her taste it and get used to the flavour. The really good thing is she'll take water in a bottle. So in that weekend that you're away, she really just needs fluid because she's 15 months old. There's loads of babies who may actually um, go you know with no breastfeeds and no bottles at that stage they're really independent so I think the first thing is she'll get plenty of fluid from water the second thing is to start giving her milk in the cup and getting her used to taking some milk and that when you're away if you want to continue to breastfeed when you get back you need to do some expressing to keep your supply going so, you know, at least twice in the 24 hours, do some expressing and you should find that they'll be okay for the weekend. And when she comes back, she'll happily go back to breastfeeding for you. Good luck, Cassie. Now, I'm going to grab some headphones, if you could grab those for
0: me, Chris. Sure. We have a phone call from Bree. She's got a one-year-old and she's trying to get the one-year-old to sleep in her own bed. Bree, are you there?
2: Hi, how are you going?
0: Good, thank Good, you. Thanks. Tell, tell Chris what's going on.
2: Um, so I have a one-year-old named Evie. Yeah. And she's pretty much bed shared with us for the last... Um, most of the 12 months. <laughs> most of the 12 when months. When she was a newborn, she had silent reflux.
1: Yeah. She so still she has it. Difficult.
2: And she pretty much never, ever slept for the first four months of her yeah. life. She basically only screamed. Um, and wow. in the end, we just got so tired... Yeah, yeah. And I've had a couple of separations with my husband and it's just been all too hard. And now we're trying to get back together and we really feel it's time that she goes into her own space. Yeah, But um, I stopped breastfeeding her at 10 months because I had to go on to medications and now she's on formula. And I don't know how to get her off formula or how to get her into her own bed because she just screams and screams and I don't want to to yeah.
1: make her scream. <laughs> yeah. You've is, heard uh, it enough. This is a really yeah. difficult one and I'm working yeah. with another couple who they they're almost identical. So what we're doing yeah. is we're going to take a lot more time to to achieve this. And if you've got a little yeah. bit of time, even if you have to call back a few times, the yeah. first thing is when she sleeps in the bed with with you in a co-sleeping arrangement, is yeah. she is the bed up against the wall like it is she is. okay. So we're going to take yeah. yeah, go on.
2: Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say the bed is against the wall and then I sleep next to her and then my husband sleeps on the other side of me.
1: Perfect, in that sense. Yeah. So what we're going to do is revert that. So with again with the other couple, we're going to take the cot and put it, can you put it beside your bed? Yes. Okay, yes. with the drop-down side on the side closest drop, to the bed. Do you have the option to take it off and make it like, well I think oh, if we take it up the, the
2: bed before.
1: Yeah, so if we take the option of taking the side right off, the mattress yep. is usually the baby's mattress is usually lower than your bed. Yeah. So if you keep the side on, yep. um it gives her more safety between the crack yes. of the beds, if that yep. makes sense. Um yep. but the other thing is the reason that I leave the side on is so that she gets a sense of all the sides around her. Right. Which yes. is the cot. So yep. This is this is the first step, and this might take you a week, is I would put the cot up against your cot because you don't want her to cry very much. It's not like no. a big baby, you're in your room, I'm in my room. Yeah, so we're no, going to put like her right her. next to her, and you're going to put her to bed um, the same way, and yep. then you're going to lift her into her cot and put your hand on her straight away and lay down beside the cot. Yeah. Okay? So all we're going to do is get her to accept being in the cot even though you're right beside her okay with just the side of the cot beside her and you still got your hand in there and you're still you know giving her reassurance and patting then each time she gets upset you're going to take her out you're going to give her some comfort and then you're going to put her back in but that will take you about a week to do yeah then from there we can try a little bit of separation yeah between the bed put the side up put her in Put your hands on her and try and self-settle. And when she gets unsettled, pick her up, give her a cuddle and put her back down again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, probably this might need to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah. But if you could give that a try for a little yeah. bit and then call us back. Because the next yeah. step we do will depend on how well she cope with that first step.
2: But it, yeah, yeah.
1: it does true. take, there'll be lots of ins and outs and ups and downs. Yeah. So if you're happy to <clears throat> give it a bit of time, it will happen. Yeah. It's just that you've got,
2: yeah, and then you can take the time now or like have her in my bed forever. (laughs) Well, no,
1: she'll get out when she's about five. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Maybe. But Brie, if you do it in small steps, it will happen and it'll be less stressful for everyone.
0: And if if you can't get back to calling us, Brie, you can always shoot us an email, okay? And we'll we'll help you
2: out, okay? Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Good luck, Brie. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. You're listening to Kindling Conversation, and I'm speaking with Chris Minogue, who is a mothercraft nurse with over 30 years' experience helping families out, and um, you can call, as Bree just did, the numbers 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, and as you probably heard, that you can actually speak with Chris, and she can adjust and and give you some tips, or you can pop your question below if you're watching us on Facebook Live. Beck has asked, how do I get my five-year-old girl to stop Stop sucking sucking her her thumb?" thumb?
1: Okay, Beck, it's um distraction. So lots of people will tell you to put yucky tasting things on their thumb. Usually they just get round that and suck something else. So like we had spoken about the six-year-old, each time she goes to suck her thumb, you just go up quietly and put her hand down and hold her hand or just keep putting it down. You want me to
0: demonstrate, Chris? Yeah, see,
1: put her hand down, down <laughs> <laughs> Um They usually do it, as you know, when they're tired, when they're sitting in front of a television concentrating on something, they'll put their hand in. They usually turn their hair at the same time. So each time you see it, you just want to bring her hand down. Interestingly, I would find out whether she does it at school. So is she doing it just because she's tired or is she doing it when she gets herself a little bit maybe um, anxious about something that's happening? So um, at school, I'd I'd advise them to do the same thing, that if they find her sucking her thumb, not to tell her how wrong it is, because she's been doing this for five years, is just go up and put her hands down or put something in her hands and, and over time, she'll just stop doing it and stop doing it. You can't stop her from sucking her thumb in her bed. But if she does it in her bed, I think you just, you know, with time it'll just get less and less and less and she'll stop doing it. There's no foolproof way. Just keep taking that hand down.
0: <laughs> keep trying, back. Um, we have a question about a two-year-old crying from Shannon. How do you just stay calm when your daughter is screaming at night time and having your partner tell you she needs to learn that this is sleep time? Oh. Hearing my daughter cry is heart-wrenching, but I can't deal with a partner screaming at me in front of my daughter. Yeah. She's two. Is there a cutoff to a cry where you just get up?
1: Yes, of course there is. Um, but the hard thing here is that you know you've got two people doing two different things and You know, I always say to to mothers when we do something like, you know, teaching a child to self-settle, I said it would be odd if a mother told me that it it wasn't distressive to them. Um, So I think the hard thing here is your partner... You're trying something and your partner is telling you to do something else. So we're we at two different conflicts and we need to talk about what we can both do. Um, I think you have to go in. It's hard with a two-year-old because, you know, their level is I'm crying and then I'm screaming. And talking too, right? Yeah. So I've had one two-year-old who told us through the monitor he needed the tissue because he was crying. So we, all, oh. <laughs> so we all went in with the tissue, which wasn't quite what we were setting out to do. I think the two of you need to have a reasonable time frame that you'll let her try and self-settle with then you going in and giving some sort of comfort. So, you know, it'd be very easy to say, don't let her cry and you go into her. But then we have to respect the partner's opinion too, who's trying to get her to self-settle because he doesn't want her in the bed or whatever the circumstance is. So I think this is about a discussion between you and your partner before we get her to the point of crying. Because once she's crying, it's emotional. So we have to have some sort of... And because I haven't had a big conversation as to why and and what the circumstances are around her self-settling, you need to give yourself, I'd say, a little window of time. Might You might start off with five minutes and going in there and calming her down and then stepping out for a little bit longer and going in and calming her down. It might need that approach right through to, you know, maybe your partner has to do it and you might have to go to the Park Hyatt for a night. <laughs> <laughs> this is my always wow. go-to. that would be all right. Um, while he tries it out, but you still have to agree to what the – the boundaries are around that behaviour to get herself settled. So it's about hearing both sides of it and trying to come up with something that's reasonable for both sets of parents. And and every single family is completely different.
0: That's true. And I've got to say, Shannon, that my husband and I both had very different parenting styles with our kids and they're now three and five and we're still working it out. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is to have that conversation and also to have that conversation when you don't have a child interrupting you, when you're not feeling tired. It's got to be outside
1: the crying and that's really difficult because the crying is so emotional and, you know, they're they're very good at it. Two-year-olds are incredibly Mm. good at it. Mm. So you've got to give this a time frame that has consistency for the two year old and that you both agree to do it,
0: yeah, try and try and i mean yeah it 's hard
1: <laughs> I was going to say have a have a meal and a drink, but if
0: you 're doing that, then you probably don 't want to talk about crying. Well, yeah. Shannon, good luck, and um, see if you can get to that point, and of course, give us a call if you 'd like to speak with chris we 've got about five minutes left, so we 're going to try and get through the next two questions, so apologies if we haven 't been able to get to all of them. Yeah. This question comes from Laura. From 5 to 12 weeks, my daughter slept through the night for about 12 hours, waking for one or two feeds. From 17 weeks, she's now 25 weeks, it's anything from 4 to 9 wakes through the night, averaging 6. She's fed to sleep and to settle. Patting and shushing her in her cot doesn't Doesn't work. work. She won't settle unless picked up and breastfed. Do I need to apply a method to change this behaviour? If so, what do you suggest or do I accept it as a
1: phase? Oh, it's not a phase. (laughs) it was a phase and now it's as you can tell she was waking once and twice or once or two times overnight now she's up to four or nine so this phase isn't going the other way it's she's actually now um, using the breastfeeding as a response of comfort which is completely fair enough if that's what you choose to do but you're probably looking for her to sleep a little bit longer and a little bit more settled not only for yourselves but also for her You know, so that she gets more sleep and she's more rested. So, when I have something as much as four to nine times overnight, what I tend to do is do alternates. So, the first two or three nights, you, the first time she wakes, so you get her down at whatever, 7, 7.30, then the first time she wakes might be 9 o'clock because they sort of wake in a, an hour and 10 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes. So that first wake, your husband goes in and settles her, but it doesn't matter how he settles her. So he can rock her, he can pat her, he can pick her up, he can pat her in the bed, keep putting her up and down. We're just getting her used to the fact that every response isn't going to be the breastfeed. Then if she he manages that will take him about 40 minutes and then if she manages to sleep for an hour and the mother go and then she wakes up so it's now 11:30 the mother should go in and fully feed her though not just a 2 minute feed she has to feed properly so how old is she she's about 6 months old mm-hmm. so that would be you know a good 5 minutes on each side so if she does 2 minutes and falls asleep you're going to find that the problem is that she's going back to, I'll suck myself to sleep. So we want a proper feed. She goes down, (laughs) one o'clock, she's back up again. Dad goes in, does his resettle again. And what we're doing is just weaning those feeds back a little bit to see if she can get a little bit more um, sleep between the feeds and and then you just keep weaning them back to the point of where you're happy to feed her so if that's back to two a night then you just keep weaning back but it takes each step about two to three days to work. So time and patience will fix this.
0: So every parent needs.
1: Yes, time and patience.
0: (laughs) I have very little of both. Uh, You're listening to Kindling Helpline and um, we've got one last question. I'm sorry we've run out of time. Thank you to everyone who's put their question up or given us a call. This is from Amanda. She says, how do I keep my three-year-old staying in his bed at night
1: and not waking up for a drink? Okay, so the first thing you do is tell him So lots of people don't tell them that they don't need a drink overnight. We've had our drink, we've cleaned our teeth, we've had kiss cuddles stories, that whole thing. And then I usually tell them, I say, you know, there's not going to be any drinks tonight. So when you you call out, I will just come back and help lay you down. If they're walkers, because some kids walk out to tell you they need a drink, I just say, no, it's time for sleep, and I walk them back in their bed. This is one of those things you just have to do over and over again, and they pretty much, they get it. The hard thing is people think they need a drink, but if he actually slept through last night, you wouldn't have got up to give him a drink. So I think as long as he's well fed in the day and well watered in the day, he'll be fine. And you just got to keep walking him back or reassuring him there's no drinks.
0: Good luck, Amanda. Chris, thank you so much for your time. That's a today. pleasure. Thank you, everyone, to your for your questions on Facebook or through the phone line. As always, if you have any doubts or further questions, we recommend that you refer to safety guidelines and Sid's recommendations. Of course, if you have any medical concerns with your children, make sure you sh- you see your GP. And um, if we didn't get to any of your questions, you can always reach out to us during the week. You can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au or text our hotline on 0437 665 200. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.